We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman and joining me is the one and only perry goldstein you can follow her on twitter at perry underscore goldstein she is of packs what she said fame rocking the merch if you're watching this on youtube Perry, how the heck are you doing and what is new in your world? Not too much is new. This thing is the first time I we are recording since I've been back from Green Bay. So had my nice fill of Wisconsin in August, which is beautiful and lovely. And uh, now we're ready for some real football. We're there. Next game is week one. For those who have listening, you know, maybe listening to this, who have never been to a training camp or Green Bay, like what are your three things that like you just would recommend for everyone that they absolutely have to do? And like that you just, you know, if you come to Green Bay, you're not missing. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say if you haven't been here before, definitely go on the stadium tour. There's actually nothing like being down on the field at Lambeau. You can't actually touch it. They yell at you for that. But get down there because being in the bowl is just like magnificent. Um, I'd say that first look, this is a tangent a little bit, but you know, when you walk into the bowl and that first look of the field, when you first walk, it's really nothing like it. Um, You have to go drink at hinterland. Um, go drink a cherry wheat. That's the best beer. I literally got up there. And I think the first thing I said to you was I need the cherry wheat from hinterland. Um, It's the best. And I don't know. I think I would just like enjoy the beautiful weather. There's really nothing like Wisconsin in August, at least for me coming from New York, it's like hundred degrees here and 80% humidity and awful. And I think Wisconsin gets a bad weather wrap because Wisconsin in August and September is absolutely stunning. It's the perfect summer, like gorgeous sunsets. So yeah, get an Airbnb or something with a backyard and spend all your time outside. Yeah. We're hitting peak green Bay right now, you know, especially end of August, early September. Um, I always define it as like, you somehow get like these high 70, low 80 degree days that feel warm 
but you get this crisp autumn air, not today, today was super muggy as I'm recording this right now, but like you get this crisp autumn air that comes through. So you're like really warm, but you get this like really just nice, amazing breeze that just feels and smells fall. And then you go into Lambeau Field parking lot and you just smell the brats and the beer and the pageantry and like there's just everything and there's nothing like it in the world. So we are about to hit peak football season. I cannot wait. And I'm glad you got to Green Bay for training camp at uh, another ideal time end of, you know, middle end of August and, and just again, beautiful time to be in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, next time will be in October, so it'll be chillier, but I also feel like fall in Green Bay is going to be beautiful. So I'm excited for that too. October in Green Bay is not too bad. We you get a little bit chilly towards the end of October, but usually not terrible. So not, not certainly not about, you know, what's to come in November, December, January, February, et cetera. So uh, it's still a very nice time of year. All right. Enough weather talk. We've got Packers talk and we had actually a decent amount of news, transactions, injury updates, et cetera, on Sunday. So let's start with the transaction. We got one transaction on Sunday and it was Ty Summers being released. And this is one that certainly not unexpected. Um, this is a player who, you know, has had his opportunities on special teams. He's had his opportunities as a linebacker. You know, he was running sixth on the depth chart at inside linebacker. They were only, they only had six inside linebackers on the depth chart. He was running number six. I know he actually played the most special team snaps of anyone, which I think maybe would give people a reason to believe that, like, why are they getting rid of their, you know, one of their core special teams players if special teams is like, you know, so important this year. And they're going, he was, they were giving him snaps on special teams and games in practices. He was not involved in like the core special teams groups basically at all. So this is not surprising. Uh, What was your takeaway when you saw the release of, of summers on Sunday? I wasn't surprised either. Like you said, he was the last on the inside linebacker depth chart. And I actually, if you listen to Pax, what she said this week, Maggie and I talk a lot about the overhaul at the position and pretty much everyone that they've brought in has completely just like pushed Ty to the bottom of the list. I mean, the fact that he had a torn ACL, I think that he came back from definitely doesn't help. And he tends to be a little injury prone. And I think if you're going to keep a guy just for special teams, special teams hasn't really even been that great right in the last couple of seasons. So it just felt a little inevitable. I did appreciate the way they did it. It felt at least the way LaFleur kind of described it as they didn't want him to go to practice, potentially hurt himself. They really hope that he sticks to another roster and kind of gave him the time to reach out to another team. So I found that to be like a very respectful thing to do for a guy who's been on the team for quite a number of years, but yeah, not, not surprised. Future Minnesota Viking or Chicago bear Ty Summers <laughs> right now uh, just seems to be how it goes. I don't know how you feel about it. And we should always preface this. And I should have prefaced this yesterday when I went through my 53 minute roster predictions as well. Never cheering for anyone to get released, never cheering for anyone to get caught. I hope all these guys land on their feet, even if it is with Minnesota, Chicago, et cetera. Um, these guys give everything and they're all to entertain us and to be the best Packers they can possibly be, even if it's only for a training camp. Um, and again, I want all these guys to be Hall of Famers. So I, I'm not wishing ill upon anyone. Um, the one thing that that always is a little bit weird to me in these sort of situations. And I'm sure they had their reasons, right? And maybe, maybe Ty Summers and his communication on defense was really integral to like the third team defense or something. And they just needed that guy to be able to call plays with the the threes or whatever that may be. I don't, I don't know their reasoning, right? But this, the, the writing on the wall for Ty Summers has been there for weeks now. I didn't think he was going to make the 85. I didn't, I really didn't think he was going to make the 80. And then he made it this way. And then they immediately released him even prior to like the rest of their 53 man cutdowns. But like what I'm sort of weirded out by is like, 
why play him the 43 special team snaps in a game and why give him 76 defensive snaps and a bunch of reps in practice? If you sort of know that this is going to be what I think they knew was going to be inevitable anyway, it would just seem to me like this is a, this is a GM and a team that has found guys like Razul Douglas that have been on the scrap heap that have found these type of players that come out of nowhere. Look at freaking Mike Abernathy. We'll talk about him in just a little bit, but like that is a guy who did not have a job like late or like middle to late into training camp, right? As the like first preseason game was starting and they find him and he's looked really, really good so far to the point where we're having conversations as if the guy can make a 53 man roster. Was there not uh, any other inside linebacker that you would, cause he's not going to be on the practice squad either. Like if you're letting him go now to find another team, you're basically saying he's not like, is there not another inside linebacker that you could have at least taken a look at and given those 76 preseason snaps and 43 special team snaps to, to see, Hey, maybe we can stumble upon that next guy again. That's the only thing that weirds me out about this in any capacity. Yeah. You bring up a good point. I don't know. I mean, I think that you never know what happens in preseason. So maybe you want to hang on to a guy as like a, not as for the reason of just in case, but you are always thinking like, you never know what happens. Right. So if Isaiah McDuffie or Ray Wilborn or one of those guys, unfortunately goes down, then, you know, you have Ty Summers and you know, he knows the defense, he knows the coaches, et cetera. And then at this point you feel like, all right, we've seen everything. Everyone's made it out of preseason kind of unscathed. Now we don't really need you anymore. That sounds really harsh. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if GMs think of it that way, but I can imagine just as a, all right, let's keep all our depth and see what he can do. And maybe, I don't know, he clicks with Rich Bisaccia and he looks great on special teams. And we decide to keep him and none of those things were the case. And they just don't feel, don't see a place for him anymore. And, and to your point, maybe they felt like, okay, what if all of a sudden, you know, Isaiah McDuffie and Quay Walker and Ray Wilborn all get injuries. And like, we have uh, just like the safety room got hit really hard. What if inside linebacker gets hard? And then we just released Ty Summers and like, well, he's probably like number six on our depth chart. He at least knows the system, knows how to call the plays, knows special teams. And there's value in that if other guys get hurt. So I can, I, to your point, I can understand that. It just, it just felt to me like this was one of those where you're not going to keep him on the practice squad. He's not going to make the 53. Let's maybe see if somebody else can earn those snaps and, you know, earn a spot on the, on the team. But um, Brian Gudekins is a very smart man and I'm, and Matt LaFleur is a very smart man and I'm sure they had their reasons for it, but that's, that, that always is something that just throws me a little bit in those situations. Fair enough. It's fair. All right. Let's talk about a couple other pieces. Let's talk about maybe the most concerning piece of news on the day. Elton Jenkins, uh, they, you know, Matt LaFleur in the press conference said that Elton Jenkins would not practice. He was pressed on it a little bit as to whether or not this was a planned, um, you know, sort of part of his rehab. And he said no, but he was going to keep everything in house. Um, later, we learned that he was with the rehab group on the exercise bike, but it was not related to his pre, you know, previously injured knee. So good news, bad news. The good news is, is there does not seem to be a setback with his previously surgically repaired knee, which is the, would be the worst case scenario you would think knock on wood. Um, but there does seem to be some new lingering injury issue with Elton Jenkins that forced him to miss practice. And man, this offensive line just continues to keep us on our toes because there seems to be something new every day. And I would just really like for everyone to be healthy in that room. Like, I don't know, three weeks ago. Um, but Thoughts on Elton Jenkins and and this newest development with his injury? I guess I'm not as concerned as maybe Twitter is. Um, I think, you know, you're rehabbing back from an injury and it's not just your knee that needs to rehab. It's basically your entire body, right? He hasn't been 
working out, lifting, playing the sport that he normally does to like the level that he always has. So I'm sure like his ankles, all of his other muscles, like just aren't used to it. And so you throw him back into practice and it's potential that he's like, just feels something off and they're just being extra abundantly cautious, which the Packers usually are. So I think it's likely fine. And like, again, you said like worst case scenario is they would say, you know, there's been a setback with his knee. They've been pretty transparent about that with David Bakhtiari. I don't know why they'd be any different with Elton Jenkins. So um, I think it's probably just part of the rehab process, right? Like he tore this ACL not even a year ago. It's a really, really quick return. And we all got very excited when they activated him back and thinking he's going to be back within the first four weeks. But that wasn't the case, right? Before he got activated back, I thought maybe halfway through the season. So I think we've just kind of had to temper our expectations a little bit and if they're not concerned and it's not related to the knee, I'm trying not to be concerned also. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it, it's just too early to know, right? It could be a, a very minor thing that he misses a couple of days of practice and gets right back at it. Uh, it could be something that, you know, you know, imagine he didn't have a knee. Like the way I look at this is like, imagine he didn't come even come back from ACL and all of a sudden he was in the rehab group, right? Like we'd say like, okay, something happened. And this will, you know, could be a couple week thing, could be a couple day thing. And, you, and sometimes you just don't know. So I think we're, as Matt LaFleur always likes to say over and over, almost like a broken record, we're just going to have to take it one day at a time, but certainly not ideal for anything that you would like to see for your starting offensive lineman. Um, we'll talk about David Bakhtiari in a second, but Bakhtiari and Jenkins just so insanely integral to the entire, you know, potential success of this 2022 Packer team. It just feels like so much is hanging on Jenkins and Bakhtiari. And I, listen, we've seen some, uh, you know, we see some offensive lines thrown together by Adam Stanovich and Luke Butkus, and they've held up pretty darn well at times. And the long-term prognosis for Jenkins and Bakhtiari seems good, and they're going to be back at some point. So I think overall things are trending in the right direction with the offensive line, but it just, it, I don't know it's always disconcerting when those two guys aren't out there. Yeah, it is. I just don't think that this is any kind of like major setback, especially because Elton is ahead of the game already. Like Goot said, yeah. he's way ahead on his timeline. So if he needs a day off, if he needs to just be on the bike. Like, I think it's fine. I honestly, I we're going to talk about Bach next, but that's more of like where my concerns lie than Elton. I think he's going to be okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Fair enough. Let's talk about David Bakhtiari because we did get good news with David Bakhtiari for the most part. He did return to practice, was with the team. Remember, he did individuals for back-to-back days and then took a day off as part of the process um, and then clearly didn't play in the game. And then first day back at practice, he was back. So I think that is a good sign overall. And I I would not have expected, like, when he came back from practice, I wouldn't have expected just, like, he was going to be every day nonstop. Like, that wouldn't make much sense in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but, like, you would think you'd want to give him some baked-in rest days in there. So the fact that he completed two days back to back, took a day off and had some rest time and then was right back at practice on Sunday. I think that's ultimately a good sign. Still just individual drills, but either way, you love seeing Bakhtiari out there in any capacity at this point. Yeah. Consistency is definitely the key that you're looking for. Like he's stacking days of practice, which means they feel like he's strong enough and his body can handle doing that. So it's slow and incremental still, um, but it's, getting there, which I think like we're trending in the right direction. It's just a matter of how quickly can he get back to form where they feel like he can not only practice every day, practice with the team every day, and then potentially hopefully play in a game and not play in a game like the lions last year, but actually play in a game where he feels good enough to be playing and practicing consistently. That would be awesome. So let me ask you the impossible question. If you had to put odds today on when David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins returned to the team. Like what's oh. like each of them separately, like okay. each of them individually, like at what, what's your sort of like prognosis of where you're leaning right now, what you're sort of hopeful for. All right. Let's look at the calendar because we've got, we've got almost two, no, two exact weeks until week one. It depends. I mean, I think it's going to depend on when Bob starts doing team drills, right? Cause if he starts doing team drills, like the end of this week and can do full team drills, all of next week's practices, then I'm feeling good about him starting week one. But if he's still not doing team drills by like next week, I think it's really doubtful and they'll keep him to like week two, but I can't really see him starting later than that. Maybe that's optimistic. And I'm like, totally accelerating the timeline. I think Elton's going to be October. I've always felt that way. I think it's going to be like week four. I think maybe they're hoping for earlier and that's why they took him off pup, but I can't see it being the first like couple of games. Interesting. Prior to this, whatever setback, not setback, whatever we're calling it. I felt fairly confident Elton was going to play week one, like just the way he looked and like, And maybe that was just overly aggressive, but like how he talked about it, like he basically was saying that prior to him coming back, like he had been chomping at the bit to get back like even sooner because he felt great for a while. And then like he did individuals and like there was no like day off, like he was in individuals like every day. He looked fantastic. And it just felt like a matter of time before he potentially got back there on the team. I would have expected that honestly, probably today, uh, maybe. And then I thought he would be back week one. Now, you know, again, we're just going to have to wait and see. And again, maybe that was just ultra aggressive. If you would have asked me like, like before I knew all that and before he got taken off a pup and things like that, I would have been like, yeah, probably early October, mid October, something like that. So like you said, still ahead of schedule either way. But um, I did think, you know, going back to last week and before this happened, that there was a decent chance he could play week one. And then Bakhtiari was more the other way of like, I think they're just going to play it super cautious. And I think maybe week three, week four, maybe week two against Chicago, like you're saying, but like, I think they're going to take him very slow one day at a time and just see how his body responds. Um, So I would say, I would still lean like week two to four, somewhere in there for Bakhtiari. I'll say week three just to even it out. Um, and I'm 
I'm going to say week two for Elton Jenkins. I'm going to say that maybe this sets him back a little he bit. He comes but back before Bach. Yeah, I do. I, I think he comes back before Bach. Interesting. I mean, I, I don't like necessarily disagree with your thought process either. I think like either way, I, I'd be really surprised if either of them played week one. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you'd also be seeing all this like very intensive offensive line shuffle that they're doing in practice if they weren't preparing for some to not have either of them, right? Like we were seeing, they're moving JRJ around. They had Tom at right tackle, they had Tom in the interior. They're doing all these different shuffles that I know you and I specifically have talked about. Yeah. So I'm like, they're planning for something. Like they're looking for a contingency plan, which means they feel like they were, are going to need one. Yeah, it's it's an impossible question to answer, right? Because we just don't know where either of them belong. And you could tell me anything at this point. You could tell me both of them played week one, and you could tell me both of them were back like week eight, and I wouldn't like nothing would shock me at this point. So uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see. But again, the good news on Bakhtiari, slightly bad news on Jenkins, although not as bad as it initially seemed when it seemed like maybe he had some sort of setback with the knee injury, but that was not the case, at least according to the team. One other piece of, well, actually a lot of other pieces of good injury news. Let's start with Robert Tunyon. Uh, He progressed from doing just individual drills to team drills. Now, at this point, the media is no longer around for team drills. It's just, it's we're in season now. So they can just stay for like the warm up and the individual drills and then they kick you out. So to be honest, like the only thing you can basically glean is like who's practicing and who's not. That's the only thing you can glean from it. But Matt LaFleur mentioned in his uh, pre-practice press conference that you know Robert Tunyon would run with the team. So that is very good news and would potentially have him more trending along with Christian Watson to play week one, which would be two huge weapons to add to that offense. I am so excited about this. I think that this is huge for the offense in so many different ways. I mean, you could talk ad nauseum about what like a really good pass catching tight end does for Aaron Rodgers. And we know it completely changes the offense, but it's clear that Rodgers misses him. Like Rodgers knows what he means to this offense and he trusts him. It's just another Cobb, another Lazard, another security blanket out there. And just like another weapon for them to use. And you feel, at least when you say, okay, thinking about this offense, you got both running backs, you got the two wide receivers I just mentioned, you get Robert Tunyon back. Like those five, you feel like, okay, this is the Packers offense that we know, right? So I'm really excited about it. I think- Tunyon had a little bit of a slow start last season was like just getting back to that 2020 form when he hurt himself. So I don't know if he's going to come back as the guy that we hope that he, you know, was going to be last year in the 2020 version of himself, but we know how he can contribute. And I think he like totally adds another like dynamic to this offense that they need because the rest of the tight end room is a huge concern in my opinion. I think the nice thing about Tunyon is like where I worry is like if you have a player who is either like, you know, 4240, 340 speed guy, or like was just super dynamic with cutting in and out and like making sick cuts and those sort of things. That's the type of player I like I'm really concerned about. Now, maybe Bak- or it's Bakhtar, maybe Tunyon loses a little bit of a step, but like that's not how he was beating people yeah. anyway. It wasn't like he was winning with speed or winning with ridiculous, you know, agile moves or anything like that. So I think not that to say we can just expect him to come back and be the same guy and play 60 snaps and everything like that. But I do think he knows how to uncover in the end zone. I, I think he knows how to uncover uh, on zone defense, you know, big third downs and just have a big target over the middle of the field. I think he can bring that to this team. And I think that was something that was really missing when he went out of the lineup a season ago. And as you mentioned, 
Trust for Aaron Rodgers is everything I've said forever. This is going to be a quarterback who wants Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Jones, and AJ Dillon. Those are the seven guys he's going to want on the field. They're going to put in Dobbs. They're going to put in Watson. They're going to maybe put in Amari and, and some of those guys from time to time. But his seven veterans that he feels comfortable with are the guys that he's going to want on the field more often than not. And having that guy in Robert Tunyon, I think, is, is going to give him that extra security blanket that he really enjoys. And I think that is a huge development for this team that he's now practicing back in team drills. Yeah, you just feel also so much better about the tight end room in general when you have your top two in Mercedes and Tunyon. And then you can kind of get Deguara in there and whoever else is going to be in the tight end room after that. Um, I... Yeah, I, I just think the tight end position is so integral too to Matt LaFleur's offense. You just think about like what Tanya does, like blocking, you know, like we've been talking about how much we love Romeo Dobbs, how excited we are. He's been horrible blocking, you know, like, so if you think about him taking what Tanya's snaps would be and just the difference there with the offense. So it's going to be huge. I mean, I'd still be, I think a little surprised coming back from an ACL to me, if you're starting week one, like that is so unbelievably impressive. So again, like you said, it's not like he's a running back. I think like you compare him and Kylan Hill, right. Who got hurt mm-hmm. in the same exact game, Kylan Hill, very different player. And it's going to need more time to be able to get back to the kind of shape that he needs to be in to do what running backs do. Like Tanya mm-hmm. didn't need that. So I guess week one is realistic, but um, yeah, I'd be really happy if 85 was out there against Vikings. And, you know, the thing with Tanya, nobody's going to confuse him for a really good blocking tight end, right? But, like, he's an okay effort enough blocker where he gives you your most overall tight end. Because Mercedes Lewis, great blocker. He's not giving you anything as a pass catcher. You know, DeGuara is more of that H-back fullback. Tyler Davis, more of a pass catcher, not a blocker at this point. So, like, it's really just Tanya who, you know, you want as many guys in the field that you are, you know, multidimensional and can do everything all at once. And again, Tunyon's not like this full, complete, perfect tight end. He has some bulls in his game overall, but he's the closest thing that they have to that. And getting that back in the offense, again, is nothing but a positive. So some big news there that he returns to the team. Other big news, we talked about earlier how the safety position uh, was starting to get beat up a little bit. They had to release Vernon Scott with an injury designation. Savage was out. Gaines was out. Levitt was out. And there's just this you know, string of injuries at safety. Well, we finally got our first bit of good news in two big ways. Darnell Savage returned from injury and actually kind of out of nowhere, Dallin Levitt returned from injury when Matt LaFleur initially spoke about him. He said it was a significant injury, led sort of everyone to believe that this was going to be well into the season. The fact that right before roster cutdowns, Dallin Levitt is back out there practicing, um, really interesting dynamic to, to monitor there as well. But thoughts on Savage and, and Levitt returning from injury? Huge, huge. Because Behind Savage Amos is just about nobody you want starting, right? So that injury to Savage is not what, how you want to start the season. Um, so very, very, very glad that he's back. Love it too. Obviously, like depth is important, and I'm sure we'll get into it in our – we have a second half of the show, if you will. But none of the other DBs really, like, jumped out to me during preseason as someone that like is really, really deserving a 53 man roster spot. So um, you kind of need someone to step up and, you know, he was playing, I think really well before he got hurt. So, but yeah, no, nothing is bigger to me than Savage being back out there because that completely, completely changes your secondary when he's part of that starting five. 
And I do think, well, I'm not sold on Dallin Levitt, the safety. I do think that Dallin Levitt, the special teams player, could be a significant addition to Rich Basashi's special teams group as well. And I know that they've been trying out a bunch of different guys and haven't had, you know, it's like even like Keyshawn Nixon didn't play a ton of special team snaps. That's not because he's not going to be a core special teamer. That's because he's been playing core special teams in Rich Basashi's, you know, special teams for uh, a while now. And they don't need to see him out there on teams and games. They're trying to evaluate everyone else. So think of all of a sudden you get Nixon out there, Dallin Levitt out there, Isaiah McDuffie, and, you know, some of those type of guys, Chris Barnes, were a really nice um, you know, preseason on special teams. I think those type of guys, if all of a sudden you can put together a pretty good group of 11 players, we've seen Quay Walker, we've seen uh, Razul Douglas, we've seen Eric Stokes as a jammer. Like we've seen some different plays. All of a sudden you start putting those guys together on a special teams, maybe just maybe with the guys out there that Rich Basashi actually wants out there, he can maybe, maybe, maybe put together a respectable special teams. I'll believe it when I see it, but I do think Dallin Lovett has the potential to be that guy for Rich Basashi. I'm so sick of talking about special teams. I need the Packers to just Amen. be like competent so that I don't have to talk about this anymore because I just am so over it. I've said it forever. If they can just be like the 25th best special teams, we don't ever have to talk about it again. Just, uh, just don't be the like 32nd worst, awful, beyond awful special teams. And we can talk about literally everything because nobody wants I to. I just don't about. want to talk about like how the fifth cornerback is going to make the roster because he's a better team. gunner than any. Like I'm just. I, <laughs> I have done my best to ignore special teams forever. And I think, you know, who else has the green Bay Packers? Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone like Rich has the magic touch. I don't know. Exactly. But uh, no, I'm with you. I don't think anyone wants to hear about it. I think anyone wants to talk about it, but I feel like we just have to, because they've been so freaking bad. And maybe Dallin Lovett can be the guy that helps unlock a, the, a 28th best special teams rather than a 32nd. We should... It'd be great. Just amen. We don't have to talk about it again. All right. Three other players who did not practice, all who suffered injuries on uh, the preseason game, which are sort of expected. Nate Becker, the tight end, Ennis Gaines, safety, and Alizé Mack, the tight end. Um, I just sort of expect all three of these players at this point to be released with injury designations. Not great. I thought Ennis Gaines had a really nice camp. Nate Becker was kind of an interesting late signing. Alizé Mack had sort of a a quietly nice camp as well. But um, if you have injuries this late in camp, it's just sort of usually a kiss at death. I hope I'm wrong. I hope those guys are all fine, but um, we'll have to kind of see what happens in the next couple of days. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Not, not much else to talk about with Nate no. Becker and his gains and Alizé Mack, but hopefully they're okay and can get back sooner rather than later. And wouldn't shock me if, you know, Ennis Gaines, you know, gets back, Nate Becker gets back. And all of a sudden, once they're healthy, Packers look to add him to the practice squad in the future. I think a couple of those guys look pretty good throughout the course of preseason. So we'll see what they ultimately do there. All right, Perry Goldstein, let's jump to, as you mentioned, part two of our episode today. You and I, and I think it was Alex too, but I could be mistaken, uh, did sort of like a a keeper cut earlier in the offseason. But I wanted to revisit it today as we're right before roster cutdowns. I already did my 53-man roster uh, projections. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, it's on the audio and the video, so you can check that out. But not you, the listeners. I know you. you But uh, anyway, I figured today we could kind of go through these fringe roster players. And I want you to make your case, and I'll make my case as well for like why Green Bay should maybe keep the player, why they should cut them, or why maybe it just doesn't matter at this point in the process. So we'll go through our skill position players, then we're going to go through some linemen on both sides of the ball. We'll go through the edge rushers, and then we'll go through the defensive backs and kind of break it down into four different groups. So let's start with skill position players. There's four players that I want to talk about. Tyler Goodson, Samari Toure, Jawan Winfrey, and Tyler Davis. So those four players, let me just go through some PFF grades and what they've done in preseason so far. Tyler Goodson played 88 snaps of offense with a 67.9 grade, 
22 snaps of special teams with a 43.2 grade. Very bad grade. 60 is even. So 60 is like an average player. Samari Toure played 120 snaps in preseason, 65.4 grade, so slightly above average. 20 snaps of special teams with a 52.4 grade. Also not great. Juwan Winfrey, 113 snaps with a 60 even grade, so almost like an exact even score. 15 snaps of special teams with a 51.0 grade. And then last but not least, Tyler Davis, 73 snaps with a 30.1 PFF grade, 21 snaps of special teams with a 51.9 grade. So none of these players graded out well on special teams, although. Yeah, exactly. Right. All of them did play a decent amount of teams. Um, You know, Tyler Goodson graded out the best, followed by Toure, followed by Winfrey, followed by Davis when it comes to actual offensive grades. So. Anyone here that stands out to you that you want to make a case for or against that you either want to see them on the roster or off the roster, or you're just totally indifferent. I really, really want Tyler Goodson to make this roster. I've been like screaming this actually for a bit. Um, I just think that he, the way I describe this on packs, she says how I'm going to describe it here watching the preseason game. There's no starters, right? So it's kind of an even playing field for all these fringe guys to show up. And there were a few that to me just clearly stood out above the rest as just better. Like they looked like they were playing with, you know, NFL guys playing with college guys, kind of like separation. Not that I'm saying it was that wide, but like you can tell, like watching Chris Barnes, obviously the best guy on that side of the ball when he's playing with all third stringers is my example of this. That's Mm -hmm. how I felt watching Tyler Goodson. Like he was just seeing holes. He was move. I mean, that spin move to get into the end zone on the, like there's just some vision and some cutting and some speed. He's not like a pure speed guy. He's not like running a four, two, but I just thought he was playing better than, and you could just clearly tell from everyone else. And with Kylan Hill, not getting taken off the pup and starting um, the season injured, you need that third guy. And I just think he outplayed Patrick Taylor. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I'm, I'm torn on all these guys. Torrey would probably be the guy to make the biggest case for. Um, I just thought that through practices, he had the big touchdown pass against the Saints and team drills to get yeah. them the, the win in the two minute. And the, the two point conversion. And the two point conversion had the deep ball on family night. Um, that was, you know, gorgeous. And then he had um, what it was nine catches for 125 yards throughout the preseason, which is a pretty good, you know, average, you know, per catch on the on nine receptions as well. So he just to me showed somebody who could be a bit of a deep threat. He showed a little bit over the middle. He had good hands. Even going back to it was, I think, a mini camp practice where like they ran a two minute drill. It's in, you know, not in pads or anything, but like I think from Jordan Love, he caught like three straight passes on the drill. I think including what probably would have been like the game winning or game time touchdown. He just sort of continued to show up. And um, I would just be remiss to let a guy like that go at a skill position. You know, maybe he doesn't amount to much, right? And maybe he's just an ultimate like number five, six, seven type receiver. And, and that's just ultimately what his, his ceiling is. Um, but there's just something a little bit there from a speed standpoint, from a, uh, you know, finding ways to get open standpoint, you run after the catch. I've just seen a little bit of everything from him. He would be the guy. I really like Tyler Goodson. You know, I get that he's working with backup offensive linemen so far from ideal conditions, but 29 carries, 107 yards, a 3.7 yard average, had eight catches for 60 yards, which is good. Did not play well in special teams, did not pass pro well. I just think you can usually find running backs like that. They could, that could ultimately be wrong. He could go and find a team and probably the 49ers pick him up and go behind that offensive line. Yeah. And it's just like every other running back for like 2000 yards and, you know, behind them, who knows, but um, th- those would be probably the two for me in, in Toure Goodson that I'm most intrigued by. Fair. I mean, I would love to see them keep Torre. I also think the Packers don't typically get rid of draft picks the year that they 
draft them. Mm-hmm. So I think they'd probably at least try to stash him on the practice squad. I also feel like you kind of have to talk about Winfrey just in the fact that 12 loves him and yeah. you don't really want another Kumaro situation. So, and he's looked great in, in camp and in preseason, right? And it's a couple of years under his belt with Mount Fleur. So I could see them like maybe just being a like, fine 12. If you want him on the team, then like have him on the team. Agreed. I, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I would be almost shocked at this point, like, because with the whole Kumaro situation, like, I don't know that you can do anything with Winfrey, so he just might have to make it. We'll see. All right, the three uh, linemen, both offensive and defensive, Caleb Jones had an 85 grade from PFF this uh, preseason. Rasheed Walker in the one game had a 71.5 grade. Jack Heflin, maybe surprisingly, 109 snaps, but only a 54.4 grade. Anyone that you want to make a case for or against in this group of three? Oh, I'm so indifferent, to be honest. Um, I feel bad for Rashid because everyone was talking about him as this like steal of the draft and they got such good value for him. And then he hasn't really been able to do anything, which is kind of unfortunate. You don't even get to like showcase what you got. Um, Jack Heflin's a guy that's really hard to not root for, right? Like he just plays his heart out every time he's out there. So I am rooting for the trash can full of dirt, but there's nobody that like moves the needle here where I'm like, they must be on the team. Interesting. I'm going to counter that in just a minute, but I want your takes on the other ones first. So let's go edge rusher, Kobe Jones, Tipa Nalii, Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius Hamilton. I'm not going to go through all the grades and snaps here. They were all meh, basically. Yeah. Is there anyone here that you really have a standout for or anyone that, again, you're against? No one that I'm against. I, I think like Tipa and Garvin have just had really weird camps. Like they're really inconsistent and they're kind of healthy, but they're not healthy and they're not really show. I just don't know. I've been rooting for Jonathan Garvin for a while. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not into inconsistency basically, especially when you're on the fringe. Kobe Jones has been really fun. Like he's actually making some plays out there. So I think if you're going to give the nod to someone who's been producing, like that's the name that you've been hearing thrown around. So that's kind of how I feel about that group, but really underwhelmed for, for a group that had like ample opportunity to like step up and say like, I deserve to be edge three. No one really did that. I'm most intrigued by Kobe Jones, but I'm entirely indifferent. And if, if they wanted to go and just find two new edge rushers off the waiver wire would be totally fine with it. JPP is still a free agent. <laughs> you never know. You never know with Brian Gutekunst. All right. Three defensive backs, Keandre Thomas, Tariq Carpenter, Micah Abernathy, any from that group that stands out to you? Again, no, I think I said this earlier, like the DBs again, were super underwhelming. I think the only one for me that stood out is like, oh, okay. Like you could play is Shamar John Charles, but I didn't ever think that John Charles's roster spot was in question. So like that doesn't really count. I mean, Micah Abernathy, I was at the Saints preseason game, had a great game, really fun. And I think if the safety position is as you know, banged up as it's been, like you could just make the case you need the depth. And if someone's going to show up when he's given the opportunity, then give him that. But again, like really underwhelmed by this group of guys. Abernathy to me could be like this year's Chris Barnes, where they like found something. I know Barnes was an undrafted guy and Abernathy's not their undrafted guy. He was, you know, played last year a little bit, but um, he's to me is like, maybe they found something sort of out of nowhere at a 79.1 PFF grade and his 111 snaps um, didn't grade the best in special teams. So that's going to be something, but that would be the one. But again, I'm mostly indifferent there as well. But let me just ask you this before we get out of here, all the guys we listed, Goodson, Toure, Winfried, Tyler Davis, Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, Heflin, Kobe Tipa, Garvin Hamilton, Keandre, Tariq Carpenter, Micah Abernathy. You can pick three that you want to protect more than anyone else. Who are your three that you're just like, those are the three guys that I want? 
okay, so I can't go with my heart because Jack Heflin is the definition of protect. Um, <laughs> I think Goodson, Torre, Winfrey. Okay. They're just the three that did the most, right? Like of anyone. And yeah, I think the rest, like you can find fillers from other rosters. That's so mean. No, I, I hear you. I, to me, it's Caleb, Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, and Samore Toure would be my three. Really love Caleb Jones and Rashid Walker, what they do. And I just think if you find developmental offensive linemen, you do not let them go. Yeah. You hold on to them like grim death, especially with the Bakhtiari Jenkins situation. Keep extras. You can add other guys to the practice squad. If anyone else ultimately gets claimed, I'm not super concerned about it. Toure showed just enough as a wide receiver that I'm intrigued and don't want to necessarily see him get claimed by another team. Um, so those would be the three for me. Uh, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, and Samari Toure that I would put above the rest. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, Caleb Jones also just as a human being, like you want someone that big, like you got to figure out how to put their athletic traits with their size and see what you got with them. I've never seen a larger human in my life. Massive. He's a very fun player. Put him on the kick or like the uh, personal protector on the kicks or the wing. Like you're not getting around that guy. Perry, where can we follow you before we get out of here? Um, follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, follow the podcast at PWSS podcast packs, which she said record twice a week. Now that the season started with Maggie Loney and you can listen anywhere. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday podcast. Perry, thanks so much for joining me. That does it for us today, but until next time, and as always go pack, go, go pack, go.